Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the podcast. We are live. What's the good word, Mike? Man, I'm feeling good today. I yeah, gotta yeah. tell you why. Let me hear so it. So today I've ran 499 days in a row. Congratulations. Okay. So I got to thinking when I was running today, 499 days, tomorrow I've got 500, big party you're not invited to. Um, That's about right. Got the cake with the 500 on there. Everything's ready to go. And I got to thinking, if you would have told me back in January of 2019, when I started, that's 499 days from today. If you would have told me envision to yourself 500 days running in a row, I couldn't have even really comprehended what that achievement would have been. Okay. And I got to thinking a little bit. And when it comes to me and even investing, not to jump right into it, that I spend at a minimum 10 minutes a day, right? Whether it's reading a book that isn't online, like a walk, a, 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 a walk through Wall Street. What's, a walk, what's the name of that book? Uh, Random Walk Down Random Wall Street. Walk down Wall yeah. Street. Love that book. Or Intelligent Investor. We're spending five minutes reading a Yahoo article, Yahoo Finance article, or even just Googling what's earnings per share, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I spend at a minimum 10 minutes a day and it got me thinking. 10 minutes a day over from January 1st to the day I started running to today, that's about 83 hours. Mm-hmm. So my point I'm getting at is just by spending five, 10 minutes a day I've put in, in just that 500 day time frame, 83 hours of investing knowledge. I like where you're going with so, this. I feel this is a nice little nugget of information for the people here. Now, before we begin, it's a day. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this at the beginning and the end. If you want to get a hold of us, it's two buds talk stocks at Gmail. We're on the socials, two buds talk stocks, Instagram. Two Buds Talk Stocks, Twitter, hit us up. Loving the feedback. It's awesome. Can't get enough of it. So I just want to say, and then I'll turn it over to you, that it's really amazing that just the increments that you can put in each day, the dividends, no pun intended, that you're going to see later down the line. So there you go. So I'm doing great. All right. What about you, man? What are you up to? You, You got a better intro? No, I like that intro. I, I would have just jumped right into it. So I like a little, I like a little small talk here, but I like the small talk that ties into investing too. I like the idea of just uh, the mind's a muscle too, right? The same way you're working your body in the gym or uh, running, you can do the same thing. You can do something simple like reading a short article or uh, listening to podcasts like ours or many others out there too. Not one size fits all. So just trying to do something as little as 10 minutes a day, right? I'll make you a better investor and a better overall person, all that stuff. Even just like, all right, it's Sunday night. You watch a little Wall Street. That counts, you know, <laughs> Saturday night. Wall Street is still, uh, hands down, it still holds up today, right? Oh, so, yeah. is, I, I, you never, you still haven't watched The Wolf of Wall Street, though, have you? Oh, yeah. I it's, love that movie. Wolf of Wall Street still, number, still, still hands down the best overall, though. Well, that one's just a little bit more not market derived. It's a little more like backstory. I think they both hold up. I mean, this, the common theme though is that still uh, you're not going to hold up to large institutions, uh, hedge funds. They have all sorts of, I can't think of what the, the word's called. I read this this book on it. It was on the guy, Steve Cohen. And uh, it's like called black ice or something. It's a terminology that's used for people that have inside information, right? It just might be as simple as knowing somebody that knows somebody that knows the financials or whatever. So you're going to get a little 
preview of whether they're going to uh, miss uh, or make quarterly earnings. And it's just those little edges like that, that add up over time to huge games. But anyways, Steve Cohen, he got, he got busted. His hedge fund got shut down, but the penalty really was that he couldn't open a new hedge fund for, for three years. And that's all it really was. He didn't do any, any did, prison time. Did just year four, could he just open it up? He did. And then if some way around it, he just, he did it as a, uh, he wasn't a hedge fund. He did it as something where you can only invest money for friends and family. So he did pay mm-hmm. huge, huge fines to the SEC, but I mean, he's still, still a multi-billionaire. But uh, anyways, we, di- we digress. But uh, earlier I was going to say with that is that that's the other thing. We're playing a different game than, uh, than Wall Street. We keep, uh, we keep making this point too, that uh, we're in it for not just uh, weeks, days, months. We're in it for, for multiple years and multiple decades. And that over time starts to even that playing field. Well, and that's where I get, uh, it's kind of funny because sometimes people, believe it or not, will say to me, well, you're in great shape. What's the secret? And then I'll tell them, oh, I eat healthy and I work out every day. Then they get this disappointed look on their face like, oh, man. And it's the same thing with kind of investing is that, well, I do, you do a bunch of, there's no quick fix. And that's why I think people kind of love the crypto is there is no research to do. I mean, you can do a little bit, but really at the end of the day you're just kind of like throwing a dart at a at a at a board there um, I mean, as you said though i mean exercise is a good one because i do think there's a lot of correlations between um exercise being healthy and uh and investing right and then the idea behind both is is that a lot of people think that there's some magic bullet to to both right to find that hidden gym that's just going to uh compound like uh 20 30 40 percent year over year and the same way that it's just there there must be a secret to washboard abs right and truth is abs are aren't made in the gym they're made in the kitchen right just uh, a strict diet and it's very simple in theory but it's very hard to practice and this is the same idea with investing right just minimal gains over time and just consistently doing it but it just i know what you're saying it's just it's almost like a, a letdown to a lot of people like and you mean there's not a there's not a magic bullet oh, or a man. magic pill that I can just I like actually yeah exactly right but but then to to the flip side there's this book I read called uh, Compound Effect mm-hmm. I've heard good and, things about this book well the name kind of says the premise it's just yeah. about the compound effect but the whole point was like if you just walk five minutes a day mm-hmm. and that's what all I was getting to my original point I should write my own book. Is that uh, <laughs> six minute abs? No, is that, you know, 10 minutes of investing that compounds into eight, 83 hours of research in 500 days. And that's all I'm getting at. It's the same thing with gym or running and it works the, the, the negative too. You know, having two bags of Doritos every day for 500 mm-hmm. days, you're going to see the negative impact. It's like me when I bought Penstock. <laughs> yeah i mean uh we're doing the same thing here with the podcast making incremental games week after week and we're getting uh we're getting better and better at it too i like that so tomorrow's friday i've taken a page out of your book um do we say tablet now in these days but i'm taking a page out of your book where i'm now every friday when i get paid every two weeks i'm buying a small tiny it's like 0.03% of my portfolio in crypto. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow's Crypto Friday. And um, I actually, did you see the, uh, we can do a little crypto talk. I purposely didn't bring my phone in here, so I don't have it on me. That, what is that, internet computer? Did you hear that, about that? No, what is this now? <laughs> There's this, uh, um, let's see if I can find it. It's called internet computer coin so there was this new coin that came out last week that hit a market cap of 35 billion in three days is this the, the one they're calling the scam coin oh geez I, it's called internet computer i i had not heard of this but this is uh this is the other side of what we're saying too is that uh you can do is little, I mean, minimal amounts of research here, but then a lot of times you can just tune out a lot of noise, right? And that's where I'm trying to get that fine balance of just picking up stuff yeah. that I think is is integral to to me being a uh, a better investor or just 
a more well-rounded person and knowledge and informed. And then there's some stuff that I know I can just uh, tune out. The other thing too is um, when it, the more I, the more I uh, do research on, on crypto, the more I'm still not convinced that crypto is ever, is ever going to be anything. And yeah. that still reminds me of the number one, the number one tenet, of investing, right, is never risk more than you're willing to lose because it can it can always go to zero. So this is where I think dollar cost averaging really helps with that psychology, right? If you had a lump sum of just say $100 or $1,000, if you put that all in at once, in most investments, you're probably gonna be better off getting your, your lump sum in at one time. But but the reason we break that down is just as much for the psychological part of it too. It's, it's hard, and especially if you're talking something like crypto that I mean, the jury's still out on, on whether it is a, a viable currency, whether it's just a uh, hedge against inflation, whatever it is. So if I had that $100,000 or whatever it is, I like the idea of just uh, like you on Friday, whatever your day is, and then just breaking it up into little sums. And then it just more so it's just it's it's as much psychological as anything else. Then I just would like it. I mean, when I'm talking, I'm talking about what's I don't know how much a box of donuts costs these days, but that's probably about how much I'm looking at because of your point. It reminds me of tulips in the 17th century, right? You know, the whole tulip story. That's the first, um, the first bubble ever was the, uh, the, the tulip bulbs. bubble ever. Well, that's the thing. Can someone at least make a coin called the tulip bulb? Right. That's the one that you and I will do. All we have to do is figure out how uh, the blockchain works and uh, decentralize it. And then we can create tulip coin. Well, and this one's like, and then I, I actually don't want to talk, spend too much on it because it bores me. Yeah, it's called Internet Computer. And it's, a, I don't know, it's like in, what's the uh, coin base, which they actually rallied a little bit this week. Anyway, I, I like, I'm still more of a Bitcoin guy if I'm going to pick a coin. There's something though I did want to talk about, right? I want to do a little bit. I was thinking about this this week. A little old, good old-fashioned Dow talk. All right. So because of the pandemic, did you know that in August of last year, three stocks were dropped off the Dow? We talked a little bit about one of these maybe a few weeks back. Is this why uh, Salesforce.com is uh, is on the Dow? Well, or was it go back three that further? dropped off, which is interesting because one of, them, one, one of them was the stock that I owned. Oh, I think I know one. Was one of them Honeywell because it got bought out or something? I don't know. Well, Raytheon was on okay. the Dow. Then they could they actually went um, they consolidated with uh, United Technologies. Yes. So there's yes. two spin up. I know this because one of my um, my girlfriend's kids and by uh, invested in um, in Raytheon a couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, and this is this is what I I love. Um, and we can use this as a, uh, as a as a talking point too for for the listeners. Is uh, if you have kids and you're looking to get your kids in, in invested in the market, is uh, start with either companies they know or things that they may know, shiny objects. And I don't remember where we were, but we were just going up and down in an elevator. And uh, Raytheon at that time owned uh, Otis Elevators, and it's like the largest maker of elevators in the world. And uh, I was just pushing the buttons and I was like, you know, this uh, this company uh, right here, Otis, it's uh, publicly traded. It's uh, owned by Raytheon. They also make things like uh, helicopters and jet engines and they they own uh, a carrier and they make air conditions. And uh, immediately he's like, I'm in, I, I, wanna, I wanna buy that. And I was like, awesome. So, uh, and then looking at his portfolio and I didn't realize that it spun off, uh, they spun off the elevator division, Otis. They spun off the... Um, carrier air condition uh division and then it's the leftover part is uh raytheon technologies and i think that's still just a lot of the uh aerospace stuff like uh helicopters jet engines defense but um the best performing stock he has now is actually otis i mean his cost basis on that is basically zero so it's just everything's pure profit on that where we talked about it before like you have cyclic stockpile if you got a kid that's young, 12, 13, doesn't matter, you can buy. Um, there's no, actually, it's like 99 cents per transaction, which is mm -hmm. funny because 10 years ago, 99 cents, you know, that's awesome. And then you can buy stocks and put money in there and then they actually can, can, it's a fun way for them to get in the market. And you're right, that's a big change, which every investor hits. You know, my six, my six, geez, my nine-year-old, he, 
has six stocks in his account, hence the six and the nine confused, where he's got things that he's aware of. Disney, which is very common. Roblox, because he uses yep. Roblox. Tesla, because everyone talks about Tesla. Um, uh, Coca-Cola, Facebook. And there's uh, another one that I'm missing, but the point of McDonald's, of course, the mm-hmm. point is, is that he's investing in things that he knows of. And that's yep. where most people start, whether you're at 40 or 35. And then once things start to kind of, you, you learn more and more and do more research, whether it's old Dominion and the freight line or uh, MetaFast or whatever the case may be, is you're always kind of learning about, you know, I'm even been at the point where I go in to use the restroom. All right, George Pacific. There are yes, they publicly. We talked, we talked about this a lot. Every every yeah, bathroom has the Georgia Pacific toilet paper or uh, towels. Yep. And that's kind of where uh, Eco Lab. You know, you're washing your hands right there. They've actually been a tear, but that's more COVID related, in my opinion. That sometimes you know we can get all what you're going into work, what whatever the case may be. That it's it's okay to branch out past that that first kind of phase of things. You know, buying what you know. That Peter Lynch philosophy that we talked about. Yeah, this is a good point to make. I mean, and it holds true, not just for kids, but if people are looking to start getting investing, start with the companies or the products that you know and that you use on a on a daily basis. And I guarantee you a lot of those things that, that you use, uh, other people use as well and are probably reputable companies with strong track records, strong balance sheets. One of my favorite exercises, I think we've done this before, is just to play the game of where you get up in the morning, right? and just start your day, which you do on a morning. Yeah, exactly. You go, you go to the bathroom, right? You get in the shower, you brush your teeth, you wash your hair, just start looking at the bottles, all that stuff and see who makes it. Uh, You get a little further, you get dressed, you start looking at the the tags on the clothes that you buy. Where do you buy them from? Things like that. Uh, A lot of people shop the same places. You get a little farther, you get out the door or you go to the refrigerator, right? You start looking at your food, get in the car, you're driving, Starbucks, McDonald's, wherever it is. How do you pay for that? Pull out your uh, credit card. Is it Visa, MasterCard, American Express? So it's just a fun little rabbit hole to go down. But I, I guarantee you that it's an easy way to get started. And also, if you have young kids that are that are looking to to get invested or showing interest, if, if you want to bring it up, it's just look at these things too. And there's nothing funner than going into McDonald's or drinking a Coca-Cola or watching Disney. And then you can just relate with someone and be like, Hey, we're both part owners of that company. Put, put, I even do it in my house where I'm like, you know what? I'll give you 20 Rob. I'll buy, buy you $20 worth of Roblox. If you clean your room and he cleans his room, he's like, Oh, you're gonna give me $20 worth of Roblox. I'm like, yeah, I just booked it in your account right now. And he's like, Oh, it's not the same. (laughs) I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, so we had Raytheon was removed, which mm-hmm. I think I love the Dow because look, I know it's an indicator of as a whole, you got 30 stocks in there. Dow Jones been around for, I don't know. Yeah, let's, let's go back. What's, what's the history on the, on the, on the, well, and the reason why I love it and that's part of it, for, forget investing, forget like, um, you know, uh, gains and making money and all the stuff. I just actually like, looking at things that, and I actually like Wikipedia for all this too, but looking at the, looking at the historical data, whether it's, wow, remember when Blockbuster was a huge thing? Remember when Circuit City was a huge thing? Remember when Sears was a huge thing? That's the kind of stuff that sometimes I, you know, call me boring, just kind of interests me. And then here it is. So February 20, February 16th, 1885, is when they put together the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That's 136 years ago. Named named after Charles Dow. Is that is that the guy? Charles Dow. Does it sound- yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. It sounds. I was about thinking right. uh, would have been named after Russell. <laughs> so, this is. I mean, picture it. I mean, going back to 1885. I mean, so horse and horse and carriage or whatever. Wall Street. I mean, was just probably a dirt road, and right in front of the. Uh, Wall Street or wherever the cross street was, I think they used to just stand on the corner and uh, they would do quotes or whatever for whatever companies were were publicly traded in. And that's, yeah, well, that's so what 30 I like. companies at that time, probably, I don't know, was that most of the, the market? Well, that's a good example. Yeah, there could have probably been what, 32 companies. So but, GE is not on there anymore, are they? Well, before I had this real quick uh, thought before I go down the GE and because there's some significance of it last week is that 
Um, what else? There's not a lot of things that were relative in 1885 that are still relative today. I got a good one though. That is, I think this company has paper? been around. This is no, no I'm just saying anything like this is, like, the, the I, I'm or- sure there's companies. Well, and, and there, I'm sure there's companies. I'm just saying like, I mean, food and toilet paper. I mean, there's not a lot of things that in 1885 are still relevant today. And the Dow Jones is booming just as it was 136 years ago. Go ahead, though. I felt like I was cutting you off. Colgate. Oh, yeah. The Colgate companies started in the late 1800s like that. And uh, toothpaste. So I read this this book. It's uh, it's called The Power of Habit by this guy, uh, Charles Duhigg. And he talks about how things become habit. I don't remember exactly the three things that you need to become a habit, but one of the things that he called was called the cue. And it's basically like the hook in order to do something over and over again, you need a reward. You need some sort of effect that you can get. So basically up until this point, nobody brushed their teeth. Everybody just went around with stanky breath all the time, but toothpaste had existed for quite a long time, but it was only for the super wealthy and uh, super rich. And then uh, Colgate came along and they said, well, what if we just added like a little baking soda to it and uh, gives it that little clean feeling when you brush your teeth now? And that was that was the cue. That was the effect where people started brushing their teeth because they put the ingredient in it that, you know, makes your, your mouth feel a little cleaner after we're done. And that's basically how brushing your teeth took off. And that's how Colgate really got started. But toothpaste had actually been around long before that. But Colgate has been, I mean, still relevant today. I'm sure a lot of people have it in their well, bathroom. Colgate's right? PG, right? Procter Gamble? No, Colgate's its own company. Oh, that's it's right. Colgate Palm Olive, right? Yeah, yeah. They later on bought Palm Olive, but yeah, probably the direct competitor to uh, Procter and Gamble as far as the most items in your bathroom. Well, so here's what was interesting. So, and I didn't mean to cut you off when you were talking about GE because GE, maybe because I sold so much of it, it's kind of one of those like, okay, let's move past it. You know, I already moved on. But GE, you, you always said the best quote in the 80s and 90s. You would never get fired for having GE in your portfolio. No, yeah, no, no manager got fired for putting a little GE in the uh, portfolio. Well, and GE, all right, so here's the trivia. GE was the longest running stock on the Dow. I think it was one of the originals back when it was the original one in 80s. Well, because it was all railroad, railroad, mm-hmm. railroad, GE, railroad, GE, yeah. railroad, railroad, and then railroad, and then another railroad. <laughs> but um, so Just GE- like Monopoly was the longest running stock in the Dow. Do you happen to know the second longest rolling stock on the Dow? And it was just removed last August. Uh, Stump the stump. Exxon? That's right. So next, uh, that's kind of the crazy thing is we were so caught up with COVID, at least I was, I remember it was a big deal when a stock would be taken off. The, remember when Walgreens left, or excuse me, when uh, uh, Woolworths left or when Sears got taken off. It's kind of the end of the end when uh, Wells Fargo was taken off, even though I'm a big position, I still like Wells Fargo, they've been on tear. But when, when companies are taken off the Dow, that was a big deal, man. Like the stock used would just go down because it was taken off the Dow. And then last August, we had Raytheon which was removed. Um, we had Exxon, which was removed. And this is like the historical boring part I like where you had the second, and that's kind of going back to our point last year is that buy and hold, great, but buy, hold and keep tabs on it because even the Dow does that. Even the Dow is like, you know what, Exxon, we already have Chevron on there. It's, it's, renew, it's not renewable energy. We already have one of them on there. Let's kick it off. And then they kicked three off, which I think was a big deal. Now, can you name the third? So we got Raytheon was kicked off. We had, and this was a big one. We had, not Raytheon, because they weren't on that long. Exxon was on there forever. The third one that was kicked off was a bit of a head scratcher. Do you know what it was? August of 2020? Uh, What industry is it in? I'll say this. It probably was, when they kicked it off, one of the most looked up stocks in the entire 2021 if i had to get, like if you're not me or you or i didn't mean to sound like that but not like someone that's really into the market you probably wouldn't look it up but if you're just some 
guy that's never spent one minute, $1 on investing, you probably would think I might want to buy this company. They pay a fat dividend. Pharmaceutical. Um, it's gotta be either Pfizer or Merck. Well, that's funny. Both were on the Dow and they kicked Pfizer off. That's interesting. Well, what's it? So I, I don't have any data to back this up, but wouldn't you think if you're an investor that wanted, or excuse me, if you're a non-investor and you wanted to invest some money, you probably would look up Pfizer with all the stock talk and all the vaccine talk and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I get I'm going I, on a limb there. I, I heard just basically a, a study that they did about this time last year. And they interviewed a lot of people and they asked what the most trusted recognized brands are. And so a year ago at this time, brands that did really well were um, Clorox and uh, Zoom was another one that did really well. And it makes perfect sense because, well, those were where we're using during the height of the pandemic. You fast forward a year later and they do the same survey, the same people and things like um, Zoom and Clorox are not even on the list, but it's interesting because now it's on the list is Pfizer and Moderna. So companies that are helping us to get out of the pandemic. So that's just a long way of saying just how, how, um, how fickle people are, how short-sighted they are. It's basically just in the moment what you're, what you're using, but makes me think that this is the same thing with, uh, with the Dow. It's really interesting because the Dow is the only index. And again, the Dow is just 30 companies uh, considered bellwether companies and a lot of different industries. So when sometimes when you hear a lot of people talk about the market, they'll, they'll use it interchangeably. They'll say the Dow, the market, but that's really just because it's 30 bellwether companies that can give you an idea overall of how each sector or industry is doing. But it's really not nearly as relevant as it once was because again, it's only 30 companies. And the second thing that's interesting is that it's a price weighted index. So when you add those 30 companies together, the weighting of the companies, it doesn't have anything to do with the overall size of the company. It just has to do with it, with the stock price is trading at. So, well, um, it's like the Apple example, right? Yeah. The Dow was at, I mean, again, uh, we'll have uh, Tom, our researcher, look this up, but the Dow was at maybe 2200, or I, I don't know, whenever they, before Apple was put in, the Dow was at what, 2100? I, I don't know, 19,000, 2100, 21,000, 19,000 that you put uh, Apple and they've gone that crazy run. So the Dow was up huge, but a lot of it was contributed to Apple. Yeah. And if yes. you took Apple out, the Dow would probably be at, I don't know, 2,200 or whatever it is. Well, especially before it's stock split. I mean, Apple split its shares. So for each one share you owned, uh, they split it and you had four additional shares, which then would lower the price uh, dividing by by four. So it's it's just... Uh, it's not a, it's fun to talk about this stuff, but if we're, we're looking at uh, index to measure our performance or invest in, we're looking for something far broader, like the, uh, the S and P 500, which is uh, 500 of the largest global companies, or you can get even broader when you're looking for total, total market um, diversification. And there's all sorts of ones. Uh, the one we talk about a lot, Vanguard's VTI which is about 3,700 stocks. So you have a lot of smaller stocks, you have mid, you have large, and then you just have the, the mega cats. And that's probably still a better representation overall than just uh, than 30 companies, right? But it's fun to talk about because it's the oldest index. It's been around for well over a hundred years. That, to me, that's why I like to meet in the middle. I'm not a big Russell 2K, Russell 2000 or the VTI, the whole, mm -hmm. and then I, I wouldn't want to just be buying Dow I like the S&P 500. I like VOO. It's a symbol or there's hundreds and thousands of yep, S&P 500 VOO. indexes versus the Russell 3000, excuse me, that I, I kind of like to meet there. And, and we'll talk about that more next time. But um, what I love about the uh, the Dow too is just because it's it's trying to give you a time frame. It's trying to tell you in at this point in time what really well-performing kind of stocks are. And, and um, here's some kind of crazy facts. I love all this kind of stuff, man, is that here's a, just a random thought. And here's a, they actually, the last time they had a triple, I think was in 91, 
when they replace, actually they do triples all the time, but they, tell me if this is a good one, right? In 91, Caterpillar, C-A-T, Jake, and this is, I'm just doing it off the top of my head, so feel free to correct me on the symbols. Caterpillar, C-A-T, that was a big old dog of the Dow. Mm -hmm. You had J.P. Morgan Chase, um, J, what's J.P.C., right? J.P.M. J.P.M. And then Disney, they replaced American Can, Navistar, and U.S. Steel. U.S. Steel was a beast. X symbol X. Oh, let's go go back. Where was the ones they replaced? I haven't even heard. Well, of they replaced. Stuff. Sorry, I went too fast. So you had ninety one Caterpillar, J P Morgan Chase, Disney, which I I you kind of disappointed me. Not that you didn't, but Disney doesn't pay a dividend, and that was like kind of a bummer to hear that. But well, this is good financial sense, though. I mean, a company yeah. can the excess profits they make, they can. They can reinvest in the company. They can buy back shares. They can pay it out to shareholders in the form of like dividends. dividends. I don't know, but just um, it just, it makes sense when you look at when they cut the dividend, right? It was at the, in the middle of a pandemic. And especially when, can you imagine uh, one at this time last year, we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last, where COVID was going to end up. And the fact that all their theme parks were closed all the cruise ships were closed. They basically furloughed or laid off every single worker at those. And then it's estimated that their, their quarterly, or I think they paid it semi-annually, so they paid it twice a year. So it was something like two plus billion dollars. So they were scheduled to pay out that dividend and take away the health risks and just not knowing where we were. Just from a PR sense, if you just laid off or furloughed every one of your employees and then you paid out two plus billion dollars to shareholders, that just side note from just the health risk, which was the number one issue, that just doesn't look good. And now that well, they, I'm like a crappy human for wanting the dividend. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Yes, putting profits right. before people. That's all right. I like I all right. You guys that was a good comeback. I like it. Um, they replaced American Can. I've never heard of this. I'm guessing they make cans. I mean, it was on the Dow. They were a manufacturer of tin cans and was a member of the Tin Can Trust. You can see how- You're making this up now. I, 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 I'm not making this <laughs> up, man. Look, I, I have uh, I had some feedback from someone that was listening that's been following the market for, I don't know, 50 years. And he's probably like, yeah, American Can Company. You can't, oh man, that thing was huge, huge dividend. They, well, they, that makes sense where in 1991, I just wish you could be, okay, you know how like people want to be in the, in the draft war rooms where they're like, why you should pick this player and why you shouldn't pick that player. I would love to be where there's like a Dow war room where like, <laughs> some guys like, all right, we're getting rid of American can. And then some guys like American can, are you kidding me? That's been a staple for 60 yeah. years. What's the tin can community trust going to think about this? Yeah. <laughs> So as a man, I'm just going to read a sentence. We'll move on to the next one. But it, okay, it had a good run if it lasted till 1991. Well, it's a what I want to know is who's who's making the tin cans now. If I look at my uh, my pantry, there's there's a lot of tin cans in there. So maybe this is this is the hidden gem. So the next time somebody asks, like, what what stock should I pick? Just be like, tin cans. <laughs> when was the last? I'm going to ask you one question. When was the last time you opened up beans? Think about it. Uh, it was a member of the tin can trust that control a large percentage of the business in the United States in tin cans, containers, and packages of tin. Then um, it looks like it, the container store kicked them out of business. No, I'm just kidding. The container store. Yes. Um, the last sentence, American can company ranked 97th among the United States corporations to value in the value of World War II military production products. So I kind of like how they were going with the old and then with the, you know, getting rid of American can bringing in Disney or Caterpillar replaced it. Then you've got Navistar, which that sounds like tech bubble to me, but it wasn't. Do you know what Navistar was? Yeah. They were the early makers of uh, satellite technology to uh, put Wi-Fi around the world. Right. I mean, um, that's exactly what that sounds actually, like. Actually, you were really close. They were the owner of international brand of trucks and diesel engines. So right on, Nate. I mean, right spot on there. Yeah. No, I think OD Old Dominion has pretty essentially replaced them. 
Navistar. I've never heard that. That sounds yeah, like they were cool... headquartered in uh, Leslie, Illinois, and had thirteen thousand employees. And this is here again, not to to not joking or anything. Isn't but... Navistar GM's uh, system on their vehicles now or whatever? The one that uh, remember those commercials where the car talks to you or whatever? Isn't that is that Navistar? a coincidence or was it like? Uh... Um, no, it does not look like there is a tie together, but the, the point I'm getting to is, and again, this is being kind of serious here is, you know, there are probably people that didn't know the market that worked for Navistar that threw in tons of money. And that's why you, you kind of have to keep tabs on. That's the hard part. And I'm just saying 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, because those shares are, are looks to be kind of worthless here. I mean, they might be private. So I, I was having this conversation too about the whole uh, how how often you actually need to um, research and how often you need to look at your stock portfolio. And I think to your point, you can definitely, you can keep up with, uh, with news and headlines, especially depending on how interested you are. But if you're somebody that wants to set it and forget it, the whole forget it part is probably where there might ultimately be some problems. So thinking... At the very minimum, maybe every quarter, right? The same way the companies uh, release earnings, maybe just at the very minimum, once every three months, you're going in and looking at your portfolio and checking where it's at, where the companies are and doing some some research to see. You can even go simpler. Another thing would be, everyone has the iPhone, thank you very much, Apple owner, but you, you, you go to the stock portfolio you scroll through. If you see a loss more than 10%, you stop and you see why the loss was mm-hmm. there. If not, just keep scrolling and move yeah. on. 10% is probably a nice round number too. Yeah, if you see something. I mean, if it's four, three, don't worry about it. You know, But if you see 10, 15%, there, there, there's a reason for that because you know the buy and hold. And again, there's a fine line. I'm sure there's all the, I was reading in uh, Random Walk Down Wall Street. There, I set the right time versus before is that, you know, they had this thing where if you bought a bunch of S&P 500 stocks in 1969, $10,000, you hit a million dollars in 2018. But there's a difference. That's because you're investing in the S&P 500 and the S&P 500 is changing all the time. If you were in, in 1980 and you had all your money in American Can, Navistar and U.S. Steel, all that's left is U.S. Steel and they're trading in the teens and they were a juggernaut. That's right. Yeah. Um, U.S. Steel, you know, it's funny. I I was talking to someone who was telling me, talking to me about U.S. Steel, and he was saying how U.S. Steel, I mean, they had like the largest market cap, I think, out there. And that kind of, I mean, X, symbol X, right? Yeah, that's an iconic symbol, Jeff, just the letter X. Yeah. Um, So U.S. Steel was replaced. I thought that was kind of interesting now. Disney's off the Dow. Excuse me. No, they're still on the Dow. Caterpillar's off the Dow. And then JP Morgan Chase is on there. So that's a pretty good run. That's, you know, mm-hmm. 22 years. All right. Here's another one I like. All right. <laughs> this one's going to be fun. Okay. And this is another interesting thing that, and, and we'll talk some fun stuff later, but I, I like this Dow talk. You into this? We can, you know, I just talking stocks this is what we do, bud. So, yes. All right. 1999, you had Microsoft, Intel, SBC Communications, and Home Depot. Now, before we go on, that was a bold move to put Microsoft and Intel into the Dow at the same time. But I guess, I mean, that's the roaring 90s before it collapsed. Well, you probably needed some waiting for technology because up until that point, there really was IBM was the only thing that was, that was it. Yeah, well, yeah. That technology. Was a good point. So I it mean, makes sense that that time during the late nineties with the um, the tech boom and the internet boom to I mean Microsoft was probably at that point one of the biggest comp- companies in the world. That's got to be around the close to the time too where they were going through their anti antitrust stuff with the uh, with the government. At that point, Intel was way ahead of every other yep. chip. And now they're kind of like a. To me, Intel is kind of a modern day IBM. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, well, there's, I mean, 
there's definitely a lot more chip makers out there because there's just so many more electronic devices. But I mean, I can remember a time where, again, if you think back to that period of the late 90s, every PC, right? It was like Intel inside, right? They had the whole little jingle that yeah. the commercials. Well, and that was where um, we talked about what a mode is, which is the term for um, Warren Buffett, Buffett, Buffett Basher, I was told you are, by the way, <laughs> that... Um, it's something that just corners the market essentially. And Intel cornered it and you had what JDSU, you had AMD. And the funny thing is, AM, and I used to give AMD a hard time. Remember when they were 12 bucks for forever and they were kind of a speculative stock and feel free to jump in and correct me how I was wrong and everyone else was right. AMD back in the day, JDSU just don't sell us. <laughs> and 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 AMD that was the old Kramer thing, right? Just just don't sell us. And and yeah, I was in the threes. And I remember AMD was the speculative stock. And that was even before NVIDIA even came out. Or I don't know if they were traded or it wasn't on my radar. AMD's like a legit stock and a legit company. Yeah, they make a lot of money. They sell a lot of chips. So does NVIDIA for that matter. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question and then I, I've got a better uh and then whatever response you give me, I've got a better response. So what's your favorite semiconductor? Uh, company tone. Yep. I own NVIDIA. Okay. So, well, I didn't ask you what semiconductors do you own? I said, oh, actually, <laughs> I, I own Texas Instrument too. Make analog chips. Um, I'm going to, so I'm going to actually go a little bit further. And I just like the... Uh, Semiconductor ETF. <laughs> yes. So are you are you um are you looking to buy into the uh the? I don't own it, but I'll tell you this much. All right, this is good. Funny you brought this up. So, and I'm just kind of boring. Sorry, for boring all the listeners that have already heard this story before. Oh, but I had Exxon. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we already lost all those people. I sold my Exxon with the proceeds I have. I have purchased some MetaFast. I purchased some Netflix and I have about a third of it left. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to diversify a little bit more because I actually don't have any semiconductors in my portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I think looking because I, it, it's kind of to me, semiconductors, and you might disagree here and that's fine. To me are kind of like pharmaceutical companies. They're, they're, in, I'm not saying there's not, it's hard to pick the right one for mm -hmm. them. And I think maybe doing a semiconductor ETF might be the way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing wrong with that. The same way we talk about, uh, you know, you can invest in, in individual stocks. And if you don't want to do that, you can invest in a, uh, a fund for the broad market. But it's the same thing. Maybe you do like uh, individual stocks like uh, you and I, but you cannot pick the, uh, the, the horse, right? That one winning horse. So you're just going to bet the field. And nothing wrong with even getting a little more specialized. And instead of buying a broader market, you just rein in it a little bit and you can buy a fund that tracks an actual um, sector or industry. So the sector in this case would be technology. The industry is uh, semiconductors. And then you get a balance of, of all sorts of uh, semiconductors, analog ones, digital ones, chips that go in uh, cars, chips that go into cell phones, chips that go into computers. I kind of like that. So I was like, you know, which one do you like? And I'm like, oh, I like them all. Boom, worked out. That were, I mean, there's, there's, this is, this is also a good way to do research too. So if you are looking for a specific uh, industry that you want to get into, so we'll just stay with the uh, semiconductors motif here, and maybe you are gung ho to just invest in companies individually, but you're not sure, you could take a look at an ETF, a fund that tracks the uh, semiconductors. And then you could just look at all the individual holdings and start doing research that way. If that is an actually a great idea that, and, and that's where, uh, before I forget and, and answer to, to give you props for that is that, you know, my son, he wants all these tech stocks. I'm like, you know what? Just buy the Vanguard tech ETF. You're too busy with too much stuff. You don't know if you, I want, I want Microsoft. I want Amazon. I, Amazon's not really a tech in my opinion, but I want Microsoft. I want Intel. I want NVIDIA. I'm like, just put it in the tech ETF and move on. And that's a good idea where I've actually looked at. And that's like the rabbit hole I like to go down to. And this again, going back to their point, just 10 minutes, right? And, you know, the state of Colorado mandates two smoke breaks, two 15 minute breaks. There you go. There's your 10 minutes. Is that 
take the 10 minutes to, you know, go down a rabbit hole, just clicking on different ETFs and just seeing what's in there. That's again, I've actually gone through and learned about companies like I kind of like the uh, what's that pot one where it's got like uh, uh, the soil company, you know, uh, the, the soil company in there, and then it's got the light bulb company in there. But uh, so I digress. And actually, I was talking to someone I love saying I digress, and I said, I digest. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I mean, I digress, I digress, but that was a little I digest, I, I digest here. And they're like, oh, so you're okay, cool. Uh, here's, I think our listeners are now regressing, probably. <laughs> no way, people are dealing the digging the dog talk. I'd be, I'd be time, I'd be, I'd be way into it. Uh, you know how back in the like uh, the 50s, people used to sit around and listen to radio. That's yeah. what people are doing right now. They're just sitting around and listening to us talk. Things are in full circle. Okay. Yeah, the Nifty 50. You ever hear that one too? Speaking of the 50s, it was like uh, back in the 60s and the 70s, it was like the 50 can't lose companies. They were all the cutting 50s, edge. 50s, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Uh, all the uh, listeners, if you're interested, just uh, Google the Nifty 50 and uh, you'll find a, a list of the 50 companies that were, that were uh, in this. It wasn't even official index. It was just something. They have one. They have an index now. Is it still there? But it's interesting to see Ooh. now how many of these companies are are still around, but are not nearly as relevant as they were. I want to say something like Kodak was on there back in the day. <laughs> Kodak, um, IBM. Well, that, that's the old saying of like, "Well, we're always going to need cameras." You know, it's just, and, and that's the whole thing. Is I, I don't like the uh, well, and that goes back to the buy, sell, and hold. Buy, sell, buy. Or excuse me, let me start. With, Buy, hold, keep tabs. You know, you could have put $10,000 in Kodak and look where you're at now. Yeah. Um, the so, exception, if you invested probably in a broad broad index, right? Whether it's the- That goes back S&P, to the S&P 500. Yeah, or, or even broader. That is, if you are looking for just the minimal amount of, uh, of research you have to do, buying a broad- index fund is probably the easiest route. And then dollar cost averaging, where you're putting in a set amount at a set I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to even say that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Like if you looked at my portfolio and every single, again, I, I, you don't have to do this every day, every month to every quarter, I allocate based on percentage where my cash is, my large cap, my small cap, my individuals, et cetera, et cetera. And when it's all said and done, 85%, of all of my assets are tied in individual, or excuse me, let me start that, are tied into non-individual funds. I'm sorry, non-individual stock accounts that, so I'm not just, I don't have all of my money just tied into these one Sears, Robux, Goodyear, whatever, Intel, Microsoft, Chase, Walt Disney. I, I, I do follow to what you're saying, whether you do have make, put in a lot or don't do a lot or don't do a lot of research, do do a lot of research, have 80% of your entire portfolio in funds that are tracking the S and P 500 international mid caps, small caps, large caps, and then use about 15% of your portfolio, 10% to buy those individual stocks. Yeah. And there's funds even too, that'll, that'll do the work as far as a, a balance of of smaller companies and, and mid-sized company and large companies. And the other nice thing about in, any fund like that, um, the one that Mike and I recommend it is Vanguard because they they do have the lowest expense ratios. Expenses are the, are the fees that go to the management team. There's a team that is managing this on your behalf. They're the ones that are doing the research. They're the ones that are doing the weighting of the companies the ones that are taking companies out or, or putting new companies in. So of course they're going to get paid, but so you want the lowest possible expenses you're paying because that is ultimately taking away from, from your return. So fees are, are the enemy of any investor, but if you stick with low cost index funds, like, like Vanguard and you go with a broad one, like, uh, like the VTI, you're getting about 3,700 companies, right? So you have a, a mix of the small of, of mid and large, but, 
more importantly, too, Vanguard is doing all that work where they are rebalancing it on a, a quarterly or a semi-annual or annual basis. So again, it takes away a lot of the guesswork from you of having to check in every day. And then if you allocate a smaller portion just for individual stocks that you yeah. can play around with, and then you can check in more regularly, but knowing the, the largest portion of your, your nest egg is really taken care of by uh, responsible fund managers and a, a reputable company and, and Vanguard by far is, is probably the most reputable in the business. I'll even say too, that I get it. If we're going to lose listeners that go, wait a minute, well, I don't need to listen to you two yahoos. I just take 80% of my funds invested or 80% of my assets invested in funds, let them do its work and then spend the next 15 to 10, 20% doing individual stocks. I don't even need these guys. I that's fine. Yeah, I I, I I agree with that. Like, I, I guarantee though, you you you're not going to get ten talk, uh, ten ten can trust talk from anywhere else. That's, that's, <laughs> you only get I that know. here. Two butts talk. The point is, is as long as you're dipping your toes in the water, as long as you're doing something. Look, take seventy five percent and put a no brainer S and P five hundred stock, and then dabble with the rest, and then that's when you really have fun with it. Now the fun thing is, and this is a good way to maybe kind of wrap things up. And this is a good segue to what I was talking about at the beginning is 1999 Home Depot, along with Microsoft Intel, was one of the stocks that replaced four other stocks. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm singling out Home Depot, it's going back to my early analogy of how I've ran every day for 499 days. If you invested 10 minutes every day, that's $83. Home Depot was my first 10 bagger only. And it took 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. It took me 10 years to invest in the company, believe in the company, keep investing in it to see where it's at. And it took me 10 years before I bought a stock. and It was 10 times earnings of what I put into it. So I know we've been boring you with, yeah, I just throw it into a, a basic S and P 500 and then use 20, 10, 15% and then do whatever you want. But the point is that 10, 15% is also crucial that's how it separates you from, you know, investing and making a lot of money. Not to sound like I'm a salesman here, but, you know, me taking my 15 to 20%, putting it into Home Depot, and then 10 years later, having not even factoring in dividends. Mm -hmm. Sorry to go back to that in Disney. I know it's a soft spot for you. <laughs> but factoring in dividends of that being 10 times earning and taking it 10 years to get there that 15, 10% that I've invested is, is huge 10 years later. And this, this even goes back even to, to kind of what we started out that people looking to, to get invested, or if you have kids that want to get invested um, is starting again with blue chip companies, those, those brands, those companies, you know, about home, home Depot is a perfect, perfect example. I mean, it's direct competitors Lowe's, which they pretty much over the course of uh Know, the last 20 plus years they're, they're pretty neck and neck home home depot is is done a little better but again these are these are the companies you know and you can make the same example when it comes to general retail right you're looking at walmart or you're looking at target you you probably shop it at both maybe you have uh, one that you like better and it's you could do the walmart. same thing yeah uh target for me it's it's the the social aspect but again this is the great thing about uh about portfolios, there's room for both, or there's room for debates, and there's not necessarily one that's gonna that's gonna be totally wrong. I mean, restaurants the same thing. Uh, if you look at your your burger joints, right? You got McDonald's; it's the the leader, but there's other ones out there that are public, like Wendy's. Or if you want to look at your your coffee places, there's there's Starbucks, and I think there's a couple others that basically just it's like a conglomerate that that owns a number of other coffee places. Something but, happened with Starbucks; they were replaced. Um, oh yeah. Who's that personal? I, I don't want to digest, no, digress, <laughs> but there's like a, not like a Carl icon, but there's one of those guys that, Oh, Steve Ackerman. He just took a, he sold his, uh, is that the one he sold his position in, uh, in Starbucks, Starbucks and, he, and then he bought into Domino's that's DPZ. Yeah, that's right. Well, and the, that's the thing is that going back to your point, not to just reiterate it is that that's kind of where I started struggle a little bit with the crypto is that I would rather be the, and, and, and time will tell, 
but I'd rather be the boring guy buying Home Depot 10 years ago and just seeing money turn over hand over fist and knowing that I'm holding on to an actual asset and you don't even know where bit crypto where it's going to even be in 10 months. Yeah, if I'm a Buffett basher then you're like you you're you're Buffett himself there or you're Charlie Munger <laughs> with that talk. Yeah. But hey, I mean I there's actually I can't I can't disagree with any of that. Um cryptocurrency right now, I don't know what it's going to be, but Home Depot is been around for 20 plus years. I see them being around for another 20 plus years. They're actually when you think about it, they're very Amazon resistant. When I say Amazon, I just mean e-commerce in general. I mean, we're looking for more and more ways to simplify our life and uh, buying stuff online and having it delivered or just being able to pick it up at the store in front of the front of the curbside. And that's where um, I think uh, Home Depot has a has a huge advantage. A lot of big lumber items or whatever, they don't really, you're not going to ship it in the mail, right? You're always going to have to go to the store, buy it, look around. And I think that just gives added opportunities for, for add-on sales, right? Buying more stuff in Home Depot. I mean, they make boatloads of cash. They buy it back, they buy back shares, they pay a dividend. So if you're telling me I could only invest in crypto or I can invest in Home Depot, I would totally invest in, in Home Depot. Well, and that's where, crypto. you know, we're not trying to like just contradict ourselves all the time, but that's where too, a Home Depot, we're going over this in 1991, they replaced... Sears Roebuck. Okay. And the point is, is that yes, it's important that Home Depot is a better asset, but you got to keep tabs on it because you, if, if we were talking 25 years ago, we would be talking about Sears Roebuck, let's call it Sears, Goodyear Tire and Chevron as like can't lose stocks. And Chevron's the only thing that's still around, which is funny that Microsoft, Intel, SBC Communications, Home Depot. I don't want to talk about SBC Communications. They actually, they're still there in a roundabout way because SBC got bought by AT&T. So it's just been rolled well, up into still, it. I mean, they're yeah, still but there. But, I mean, but when you go from, they replaced Goodyear Tire, which you could I mean, go Goodyear's, wrong. yeah. I mean, that's the funny thing. Tires are still made. Goodyear's still out there, but they're just, yeah, they're not. A bellwether is, is they, they and they're made work. just as much as they were. That's kind of an interesting point if you think about it. That there are still probably more cars out there. They actually are put on electronic and non-electronic cars. Wonder why Goodyear still isn't like this goes the juggernaut that it was. They need to get together with the uh, tin can trust and figure <laughs> out too why they're not there. Both are still relevant. I mean. I said my pantry. Yeah, there's still tin cans. Yeah, I, I still, yeah. These uh, tin and cans then all the time. I think Sears was probably one of the biggest collapses of a, the biggest rise to fall companies of all time, right? Gotta be in the top five. I mean. They're bigger than, okay. Tell me if I'm wrong. Sears was bigger than Amazon today. At, one point was the largest retailer in the world. I mean, it it crushed uh, Walmart, and uh, long before there was e-commerce, they basically were the early form of e-commerce with their catalog system. Right, you got the catalog, you just dial up a number and pick out the item you want, and they would send it to you. But um, I mean, they they you collapsed. needed tire, you needed to get your Goodyear tires. You went to Sears. Your yeah. clothes on uh, not online, but catalog Sears. You need, I mean, you name it. They kind of, if anything. They were in more everyday facet of your life than even Amazon is today. They also are one of the few companies I can think of that had other companies spin off and become public companies. Yeah, so, like imagine if like Amazon spun off Microsoft. Well, right? this is funny because Amazon might uh, actually spin off the uh, the web services, AWS, their, their cloud division. So um that's probably what a lot of people say is that's the actually the most valuable part of Amazon. And when you look at their, if you look at their earnings, the majority of them or their revenue comes from, uh, from the, uh, the web service, from their, from their, their cloud. And this is actually a really interesting way that Amazon innovates by just trying to solve their own problem. So if you look at things like Prime and two-day shipping, 
Jeff Bezos and the team figured this out. They're like, well, this is our biggest cost is sending things to people and they want it sooner. So how do we do this? Well, let's just create our own logistics company. Let's create Prime. Let's give a fixed price. Let's make deals with all the uh, the carriers, freight carriers, so that we can get a fixed price. So it solved the problem. And they did the same thing with their web services when they wanted to start hosting music and video content and other stuff. They're like, it costs so much money for us to host all our video, all our music on somebody else's platform. Why don't we just build our own platform and, and host our uh, host everything ourselves and uh, it'll eliminate the cost. But not only that, it's now by far the most profitable because they host so much content for, for other people from the U.S. government to, as I've told you, all of Netflix uh, content, it's Amazon Web. It's all hosted on their uh, their cloud platform. I'm a buyer of both now. Uh, I'm going to have to do some more research on the uh, tin can uh, trust here and uh, <laughs> your tires. See, that's good. Now the tin can is in the the joke hemisphere or not hemisphere. Uh, Ethos. I don't know. We'll bring ethos. it back. There you go. There you go. Can we cut that part out? No. <laughs> so, uh, Nate, how can people get a hold of us? Again, you can reach us on Gmail, Two Buds Talk Stocks, just the number two. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on social media, you can reach us on Twitter at Two Buds Talk Stocks. We post some pics up on Instagram, Two Buds Talk Stocks. Again, if you uh, like anything that you heard here, uh, tell a friend. If you uh, didn't like anything you heard here, let us know and we'll do, we'll try to get better. It's a work in progress. It's good talking to you. I'll talk to you soon, all right? See ya.